out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love special guests. This week, it's going to be the turn of Kathy Sledge from Sister Sledge. I know, who would have thought it? Anyway, this is the interview. She's got some dates coming up, uh, one particular one, on the 14th of May in London at the O2 um, Arena. So do check that out. And also check out her website because she's got various... Um, concerts taking place throughout the summer and year at various festivals, etc. Anyway, look, this is very exciting. Um, so after several minutes of casual chat, we got down to that very exciting subject that was really what the last two years has been all about. And then we talk about her life in music. Anyway, she's in LA, I'm in Norwich. It was showbiz. Anyway, Kathy, tell us about what the last two years and uh, COVID has been like for you. I know, a great conversation opener. Take it away, Kathy. You know, it's pretty crazy. I think I'm one of those people that can actually say the pandemic kind of worked for me. Excellent. <laughs> Which, you know, of course, as an artist, you miss the excitement of the live crowd, which I would always miss. And I, I'm excited to be back. But I did a lot of virtuals right here, <laughs> like right in my home. And I did the presidential inauguration here in the United States for our new president. Yeah. And I did some really cool concerts, some stuff with Earth, Wind & Fire, and some things with DJ Cassidy, and some things with uh, just a lot of artists right here in my living room, which was <laughs> different. I totally missed the, you know, the feel of having your audience, you know, your folks with you, your audience, the crowd, but um, it was very, it was beyond up close and personal. <laughs> Like right now. <laughs> and then I also started a mother-daughter talk show that is now, we're talking to networks. I did this show called Family Room, like right here with my daughter, because she stayed with us during the pandemic. And we would have this global family room and everyone would come in and they would bring their coffee and their drinks and we'd talk and, and now, and sometimes I'd sing a song with acoustic music. And, and now we're talking to networks, it's called The Family Room. So it really worked for us. It's really cool. I mean, one thing that came out, which I've realised quite recently, because a lot of people suddenly went, what am I going to do? And one of them has been sort of writing their memoirs and going into the loft. I'm not sure if you've got a loft with boxes of kind of memorabilia. Have you been slightly tempted thinking about your own, sort of having those moments of reflection and also thinking it's quite nice to go through the archives and process some of the things that you've been through in all the different decades which obviously each decade has quite a different vibe to it yeah it what you know it's funny because interesting you should use, even use the word memoirs i have i've been talking to um and meeting with zoom meetings about uh a biopic that behind this the story is the We Are Family story, and it's called Memoirs of a Little Sister. <laughs> so I totally was revisiting my memoirs, my diary, my notes. I think all of us, like you said, we got a chance to reflect and go back and revisit some of the things that we said we were going to do, yeah. what we say we're going to do. So I have been, and now I've taken it to the next level of of uh, finishing up some of these things and developing them into a biopic, developing them, developing them into 
documentary and um, things I've always wanted to do. Yes. We are getting a chance to do well, I noticed in the last couple of years, there's been quite a lot of books come out. There was a series called, called Why Does So-and-So Matter? And there was one on Karen Carpenter. There was one on um, Marion Faithful and one on Patti LaBelle as well. So it's interesting that, that that kind of a lot of the music that has been, and it felt like it had gone, has now been kind of, I don't know, re-evalued and sort of looked upon a little bit more with kind of a critical or cultural context. So you must be quite pleased that a lot of things that got slightly brushed to one side because of, I don't know, cultural norms are suddenly being sort of re-evalued and given a little bit more importance in the history that is modern music. I am, you know, it's interesting, but the word that jumps out is the history of our music. And I mean, look at Questlove with the Summer of Soul Festival that just won the Oscar. And and that, you know, to see these artists and to tell the story, um, I do reflect with the pandemic, you know, something happened here in the United States where one DJ started bringing everyone into this club, this virtual club. And the theme song of this club was Thinking of You, which was never really released here in the United States. So I became the club is called Club Quarantine and I became the queen of Club Quarantine. But what I really noticed is that people, as you put it, started revaluing, revaluing the music and the music started resurfacing and people started appreciating some of the earlier music, which has led me to, I'm starting to curate a concert with some artist of some of this wonderful music. Uh, so these things, I think the pandemic or the quarantine kind of catapulted us to embrace some of these things we wanted to do, we've been wanting to do, and take it to another level. Yes, absolutely, which is always very, I don't know, it's very rewarding, really. It's really yeah. rewarding. So why, so coming into your sort of busy schedule for the summer and into the early autumn, you've got this date in London on the 14th of May, which is coming up, and then various festivals around the UK as well. So with those kind of events, are you finding a whole new audience are coming along to see you now? And sort of, again, it probably changed quite a lot over the decades, and you probably looked out and went, oh, yeah, that's interesting. But now I just wonder what it's like you know, we, when you're looking back at sometimes, I don't know, 40 plus years, isn't it now, of what yeah. you've been doing, well, 50 probably-ish. Um, so yes, I just wonder what the audience is like and whether you, you've noticed the change in, in the demographic. I have, and it, and it has been like 40, so you say. It's, it's funny because um, it doesn't feel like that. I have the saying, do not become what people say you are. What I mean by that is, Sometimes people expect me to wheel out in disco clothes, you know, in a wheelchair. But I've always, you know, I've always felt like it's very important if your music stays relevant, that you as an artist, you stay relevant too. And to keep reinventing and to keep um, adding the relevance to the music, to the show. So what I've done is um, one of the things in producing the live concerts that I do is... I pulled up some of the original choreography on screen with the original sisters and I'll have the choreographer. Stay close to the choreography. Don't deviate too much, but make it very relevant to what we're doing to the music. But what always stays the same is the music. And so in singing these songs, I make sure that even the ad lib, like 
I don't want to deviate too much. I know as an artist or sometimes as a concert goer, if you go, if you hear an artist sing a song you love, you want to sing along. You want to know the ad lib. You want to, you know, know it like you love it. And I think the blessing that I can actually say as an artist is, I don't know, even know how, but my voice has gotten stronger through the years. It's gotten so much stronger through the years. Maybe it's because you take care of your, your gift. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've noticed that I've noticed that. And I feel like, um, wow, I get a chance to keep the integrity of the music, keep it relevant with what we're seeing up there. And you're so right. I'm seeing, I'm seeing like a whole, sometimes I'll see like a mom come to the show with her son. He's like, it's all new to him, but you know, it's new to her. It's new to her too in another way. Yeah. So I think keeping it relevant is very important. And I always say, you know, I look at artists like, you know, why are there artists like uh, Tina Turner and, and uh, Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones and, and then there's some artists that kind of go into oblivion. And I think that what's important is that you stay relevant. If I go to a Mick Jagger concert, I want to hear every hit. Yes. I want to hear every song. But, you know, then there are artists that have been out in the same era. And what, what's the difference? Why haven't they had the longevity? So, it, you know, I've really studied that. <laughs> I do. Yes. I feel like what, what makes us relevant is staying relevant. And um, and keeping keeping the music, keeping the integrity of the music, you know, I think that's important. Yeah, and I think that's giving me the longevity as an artist. And I think with with some of the the music that we've now realised has has been around for fifty plus years or forty years. That sometimes I remember there was an amazing you know documentary with the Rolling Stones, you know, Shine a Light, and there was this clip of about nineteen sixty four of Mick being interviewed, saying, "How long do you think this will last?" And he sort of, you know, it's a black and white bit of film, and he ponders and looks up, and goes, "Well, probably another eighteen months." And we all chuckle because obviously. 50 plus years later he's still doing it but then you think actually those songs are kind of perfect you know they are sort of perfect records so I can understand why we still listen to them and also there was a there was a kind of it was interesting you talk about reinterpretation because I know Joni Mitchell once did an album which was kind of her material but done in a very kind of almost a melancholic and reflective way and those lyrics suddenly felt quite different again I just wondered if you ever feel some of those lyrics feel quite different to you singing it now than what you did when you were back, you know, back in the sort of previous decades. Yeah, you know, um, what people don't realize is when I sang those songs, I was 16 years old. Yeah. And I was singing these beautiful love songs on, um, on the We Are Family album, so to speak, some of the ballads. And I had not experienced what the lyrics were saying. But... I feel now I get it. But at the same time, songs like We Are Family or Thinking of You, I wasn't allowed to hear it until it was time to record it. I wasn't allowed to hear any of the songs until it was time to like record it. And I was learning Thinking of You and Greatest Dancer as I was recording it because they believed in spontaneity. Right. And now I get it. I didn't get it. I got it then because I... As an art, as a singer, and as an artist, I wanted to make sure that I just brought out what the producers were hearing in their head. But now, to me, producers are visionaries. Like they hear and see what they want the song to be. Where as the artist singing it, we we put everything into it. But at the end, we hear it how they hear it. That all makes sense. 
So I think the timelessness of the songs on the We Are Family album, that's one reason, the spontaneity. It was always new and it's always, it always feels new. Even when I perform them live, it feels new, which yeah. sounds crazy. But the, the magic of thinking of you, I can't even explain it. Like, you know, <laughs> and when I hear the crowd, like the you, you, when they're doing all that stuff with me, I'm like, this is so cool. I was kind of learning that stuff as I was singing it then, but now it's become like this, you know? So I, I get what Mick Jagger meant. Like I, you know, you have no idea. I used to follow Nile around as a goofy 16 year old with braces. And I'd ask him, do you think they're even gonna play our records? <laughs> and he would laugh at me and he'd go, this stuff is gonna be huge. And I yeah. loved his confidence back then because I felt like, well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you would have wished to have said to your 16-year-old self, you know, with all the kind of experience and decades and passing of time and and certain amount of lessons in life that you've probably learned and, and wisdom? I just wonder if there was something that you wished you could have whispered to that person as you were starting out in, in your sort of adult life. I think, um, you know, yeah, because I've, you know, through the years growing up and singing in a sibling situation, and the dynamics that I had to face later in the years. I think, to, don't be afraid to grow. Don't, like one of my biggest, I think I'm a biggest fan of uh, Freddie Mercury. I always felt like, wow, here's a guy who was totally uninhibited with his music and with his gift. He knew he had a gift. And I think I knew I had a gift when I was younger, but I was shy about it because I felt in a group, I felt like, you know, you almost felt guilty that the producers would always say, I want that one to sing it. Or I want, and I would feel that way. Right. And now I feel like when you have a gift, don't be afraid to just embrace it and share it. And now I'm at that place, at this place in my life, I feel like, wow, there are certain artists that outlive, I think, eras. And, um, and I really... I really appreciate those artists, artists like Tina Turner, artists like, you know, Mick Jagger that we were mentioning earlier. Yeah, and I think there's some now that we're experiencing, artists like Stevie Wonder. Uh, you know, look at Beyonce. I remember seeing an article with her once and she said, I'll, and this was years ago, I, yeah, I wonder what, you know, if, I, if they're gonna be listening to my music, like you just said about Mick Jagger, and of course they are. You know, <laughs> there are artists that take it to the next place. And I like being able to, explore that and when people say when people call me a legend i'm like like that freaks me out a little bit because <laughs> you don't feel like a legend you just feel, you feel like you love what you're doing and but i think at the end of the day it's the integrity of the music that these artists appreciate and share that's what i've learned too well, I think it's like with people like david bowie i suppose when he was bringing out the next album he was kind of when he was at his best, he was following his kind of gut instinct. And I think that was, and he took chances. So probably at the time it looked like a disaster, but then it's actually, they've been the, the better ones. Whereas some of the work he did in the latter 80s seemed to be losing his way. And then he sort of found it a bit later in the 90s. And I suppose, I don't know, I did once hear someone say, I, kind of what I'd like in life is the freedom to fail because actually then I can learn something for the next project. And I think that's sometimes an important thing in life, actually, to take that risk because you think 
you know, I'm not a surgeon. I'm, you know, I'm not going. No one's going to die. <laughs> it's like going to be fine. Now, yeah, I, lo I love every word you're saying because it's so true. I think we're all where we are, at least if we're listening, right? We are there because of the adversities that we go through. What's that saying? It's in the valleys that we grow. Yes, <laughs> and, this is true. Uh, I can certainly, I certainly feel that way. I feel like I've been through, you know, people know my story. I mean, I was actually sued by my sisters for years. And um, a lot of it started surfacing. I, I never even said the word jealous for a long time. I was like a deer in the headlights. I didn't see that. But I see, you know, of course, we're all family still. But I think where I am now is it is in the valleys that we grow. I've learned that um, never, like always embrace your gift and always stay humble with it. And, but don't be afraid to explore and to, and to shine. You know, was it Nelson Mandela that said, um, you know, it doesn't do any good when you, these weren't his words exactly, but when, when you play yourself low and you don't shine and you don't wear your shine because, um, you're not you're doing a disservice not only to yourself but to others you know yes so absolutely i've learned that and that's why i think i like freddie mercury so much you know in the later days i got to really learn the artist that he was he he knew his shine he he loved his gift you know and he loved being on stage and he was not inhibited at all with what he gave and uh i love to see artists like that and i feel like it's never too late to know and and embrace that. No, absolutely. I think some of the the best work from some of those artists that we mentioned, you know, came quite late in their life because I suppose they've had that kind of wisdom. I, you know, going back to David Bowie, his last, last album, Black Star, which brought wow. in this jazz kind of element and his kind of lyrics that slightly refer to what the situation was the most powerful, I suppose, ever written because it was like, wow, you were you were facing literally the end going through medical medical journey as well as you know life and um yeah. yes kind of then being focused enough to go into the studio so i think you're right in the sense of yeah be who you are and and just follow that instinct yes. and you never know who you're touching because you know it's funny because um you never know who's listening and when you mentioned jazz i am at that place with the place in my life where like like right now, I'm writing in the studio with Stanley Clark, the legendary bass player. Amazing. He has said to me, which is huge to me, he says, I think you have one of the greatest jazz voices I've heard. And I'm thinking, wow, that coming from Stanley Clark, I better do some jazz music. And so now we are, and we've been writing, and we've been um, talking more of this project that we're working on. And at the same time, though, um, like literally today, there's a new release that I just did with a, this very young, uh, energetic producers out of the UK. It's called Could It Be You. It's coming out today. I forgot to announce that. Oh, but yes. it's dance, and it's a dance groove song, and I love it. But the, they're called the Funk Cartel Brothers. With all that said, I love exploring and writing, and I feel like you never, you know, you have to touch on what's in your heart. And I feel like when you mentioned David Bowie, he was going through this place in his life that it might be one of the most profound things that he ever left with us. And I feel like as artists, 
you have to leave that, you know? And it's one reason why I feel like I definitely want to do my jazz music. I definitely want to do the dance. I have to always, I can't ever leave the dance music because <laughs> I love it. It's uplifting. It's, it's what my voice brings. And I love that. Um, but yeah, I think there's a saying, we always know our passion. You obviously have a passion in journalism and what you do. I have a passion for music. But sometimes it takes a lifetime to learn our purpose. Mm. You know, and I, I'm, I'm tapping on the purpose of why I even sang We Are Family. You know, I mean, I didn't know what it would mean to so many people. I didn't know what this, I didn't know. And I didn't know what it would bring. But I do now. And I feel like I'm in a place where I'm learning the purpose. Even Family Room, what we did over the pandemic. and this bringing this world together in this room where people were most afraid at that time, we were, we are family. And that's what it meant to me. And that I see that's a voice that I am becoming. Yes. As I, as I live and breathe, (laughs) you know. (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, look, I've got, um, I think I've just slightly run over. So Kathy's going to come whizzing in soon, isn't she? No, um, Sasha, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sasha. (laughs) yeah so anyway look i was gonna say thank you so much i mean your questions are so um they have depth to them and i really appreciate that well no it's lovely to meet you and um yeah all the best for the uh the um yes the tour and also all the projects because let's face it we're still in the game and if you're still in the game that's the main thing isn't it we're still going yeah The best work I'm really hyped about Indigo. Indigo O2 is going to be an amazing show. It's, we're so hyped about it. And that's kind of kicking kicking off everything over there. I know. It's going to be brilliant. Well, look, take care. And um, I'll say goodbye now and let you go. But have a great day and all the best for the future. Okay. Well, stay safe and I'll see you. Yeah, be safe. See, see you later. Now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. There you go. I know I could edit all that out, but it makes me smile. Anyway, look, a massive thank you to Kathy for giving me the time for that interview. Um, yes, as she said, she's got a concert that's taking place on the 14th of May at the O2 Arena and also various other festivals that she's going to be performing at. So do check out her website, Sister Sledge. Yes, yeah, she should remember that. Google. That's the way. That's the way we do our research. Anyway, this has been David East of the CD6 Show. If you want to contact me, I know you can on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Do C86 Show. Keep it positive and groovy. And also, all these interviews have been archived. You can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. Check it out. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.